We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Women Worth Knowing. Make sure you rate us on your podcast app, subscribe, and share it with a friend. This is Cheryl Broderson, and I'm in studio with Jasmine Allnut. And we are talking about women worth knowing. Women (laughs) worth knowing. That's right. WWK, this is an easier title for any of you who are tuning in. Yes. But we've been discussing a lot of women from the Civil War era. Mm -hmm. And so I've got someone from that era who was um, the Lord used in a different way. Yes, a totally different side. This will be great. So I'm going to talk about Emma Ravel Moody, who Mm. was the wife of D.L. Moody. Some of you have heard that name. Some of you haven't. I love D.L. Moody. He's come up a lot. We've touched on him. So this will be fun to hear her. It is. And um, we love him because he uh, he didn't have an education beyond fifth grade. Mm. His father Mm. died when he was seven years old, and he was one of nine children, one of nine. And so he had older siblings, um, and then— the two younger one, you know, number seven, um, number eight, nine, right. came after his father's death. His mother was pregnant and didn't know it with twins. Oh, my goodness. So was he the baby before that? No. No. He, was he, had, he had another baby before that, but okay. I think he was fifth. Okay. I think he was He's number middle, five, but right. I'm not quite sure. But what happened is after his um, father died, his brothers had to all start working. They had to quit school and work, which was Engli- interesting because he was pure English. He was English on his father's side and his mother's side. And so they had been a very intelligent family. His Didn't father had that. been intelligent, but not saved, a drunk, mm. um, kind of a scary guy. His mother had been a very, uh, a really great Christian, but she was kind of like going against the stream dealing with this husband and, you know, with all these boys, because it was mainly boys in this family. So her four oldest sons went And they worked really hard. And Dwight was just this um, young man, but he had to quit his education and had to start working because the other brothers moved away. And so he had to support his mother from the time he was uh, like 10 and 11. That happened a lot. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So much. But he talked about all the precarious situations, all the times that they were almost without food, but his mother would pray. Nevertheless, he had in his mind he was going to be wealthy. He wanted to do whatever it took to be wealthy. And he knew he was uneducated. So he knew it was going to be hard work. So he became kind of a traveling salesman and then finally settled on a job of of selling shoes. And he was so successful. And he had this natural business acumen that was like crazy. I know we're going to talk about Emma, but I've got to give this background. No, no, no. I think that's good. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, he had this crazy business acumen that was just amazing. And he was selling shoes when this man who knew him had been a Sunday school teacher when he was younger came in and began to share Jesus with him. And Dwight was so convicted of his sins and he got saved. And the moment he gave his life to the Lord, he said that the whole world opened up and he had this sense of love, this sense of um, indebtedness uh, to the Lord for all the good things for the sky, for the trees. He said he found himself going, I love you trees. I love you sky. Um, (laughs) I love you grass of the field. And he just had this, he saw everything with these new eyes. And so then he joined a church and this church that he joined, he was in Chicago. He joins this church and they're having like a Sunday school contest, which used to be very, very common. Even when I was a little kid, um, in my Sunday school, it was bring a friend and get a prize. Bring oh, two yeah. friends, or get another prize. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so anyway, they were having a contest for church growth to see who could bring in the most um, unconverted. 
So he brought in um, these five kids that were straight off the street ruffians. <laughs> and the church was a little disconcerted by these ruffians coming <laughs> in. And Dwight decided he was going to win this contest. So he borrowed a cart from somebody you knew, like a horse-drawn carriage, right? Cart, but it was more like a wagon. You know, when we think carriage, we think of like you know, something enclosed. No, this was like a, think of a, a wooden uh, platform, the bed of a truck. Yeah, all wooden, yeah, just with a cart. That's, yeah, okay. yeah, driven by a horse, yeah. you know? So he went around and he collected kids from wherever. And some of these kids were so dirty that he would go in their house and give them a bath and then put them in the cart and he would get them to church. Well, never. Wait, how old was he? He's, like, a, he's, he's still a he's teenager? He's a teenager. Oh, my gosh. He's like maybe 19 or 20. He wins the contest, though. He wins the contest. But by this time, so many of these kids want to keep coming to church. And they don't—the church feels really uncomfortable with all these kids. It's a congregational church. It feels really uncomfortable. Uh, they're kind of an um, upper-class church. Oh, and yeah. here's this Dwight. And, you know, he's English. That was one thing. But he's bringing all these kids— of all different colors, of yeah. all different stratifications, uh, financial stratifications, and they're very uncomfortable with it. So they said, well, what can we do about this? And they thought, well, what if we like rent like a place that he can have his own Sunday school? So they're like, Dwight, you know what? You could teach Sunday school. <laughs> you could do this. So Dwight's like, you think I could? So he begins oh, to so study cute. his Bible and learn all the lessons he can so he can teach these kids. Now, he's already been sharing, like, you need Jesus. But now he begins to really study the Bible in earnest so he can teach the Sunday school. So he starts teaching this Sunday school. And I think it was like he's got 600 within a year. Wow. Within two years, he's got over a thousand. Within three years, he's got fifteen hundred. Well, now he—it's—it's it's just him and just the, uh, a couple of old ladies. He needs more yeah, people to help just, him. Yeah. So he it's begins to church. go to these different churches in Chicago, just asking for volunteers that will help him minister. And that's where Emma will enter our story again. Ah, so let's nice. let's go back to July fifth, eighteen forty-two, in London, because that's where Emma Ravel was born. Okay. And she was born. Um, her father was from Huguenots, and his name was Fleming Hewitt Ravel. Mm. He loved the Lord. And if you remember, the Huguenots yeah. were uh, French, French, and they Protestants, were yeah. persecuted for having Bibles, for reading the Bible. Mm -hmm. And they were persecuted by the, the then-Catholic Church yeah. in France for reading the Bible. But the church and the state were one, and so there yeah. was this persecution. A lot of there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Her mother was Emma Manning Ravel. So Emma was the third daughter of the Ravels, and in 1849, she and her family um, made the move to America. Now, three of the daughters made the move to America. This is going to be important, but there was a younger sister, Mary. But at the time, Emma's mother, um, who's also named Emma, there's going to be a lot of Emmas. Oh, boy. There are okay. four Emmas in this really? book. I'm oh, just gosh. warning you about the four Emmas. Popular name. It, it was a family name. Yeah. It became a tradition. But Emma's little sister, Mary, her mother was too ill to take care of her. And they decided that they would leave, get this, Mary with her Aunt Mary. Oh, gosh. So Aunt the Mary, world? Aunt so many, Mary yeah. yes, Aunt Mary takes Mary and begins to raise her as her own. And it was great because Aunt Mary couldn't have any children. So Mary became very Aww. special to her. But um, Emma Moody said that her mother never got over leaving little Mary mm. in in London. Yeah. So after they moved to um, America, they settled in Chicago. Emma was six years old, and her mother gave birth um, to a son after that. So Emma ended up with a little brother. So as I said, you know, her parents were just avid Christians. Mm -hmm. um, one fun fact, Emma mm -hmm. Moody, Emma Ravel Moody, 
is was the same age as Abraham Lincoln's son, Robert Todd Lincoln. Oh, and isn't interesting. That interesting? Yes. Okay, there's our Civil War connection. So <laughs> Emma is at, um, so Emma's raised in a Baptist church in Chicago. She loves it. She loves the Lord. By this time, she's uh, 13 or 14 years old, and Dwight comes to that church recruiting people to come and teach Sunday school and help with the ministry. Mm. So for the next years, from the time she's 13 to 15, she takes these classes on how to be a Sunday school teacher. In the meantime, she's still finishing her education, but she's taking these classes on how to teach Sunday school and she's studying the Bible and she loves studying the Bible. So when she's 15, she begins to work at that warehouse with all of the children, just loving it and teaching Sunday school lessons. Mm. So Dwight saw her at this time and Uh called her the good Christian girl. So for two years, he just called her that good Christian girl. And then when she turned 17, he decided to to start courting that good Christian girl. I love it. They were like-minded. They were very like-minded. I mean, she just, she loved his outreach to all these children and just, you know, felt like this was so important. So one Sunday when she was 19 and she's been courted by Dwight Mm -hmm. and they have this relationship mainly among ministry. Uh, He got up to the front and he announced from the platform that he was engaged. And he said, now I've been in the habit of taking some of you young women home after the service. I will no longer be doing that because I am now engaged to Emma Ravel and I'm (laughs) off limits to other women. Wow. Straight up. So anyway, she did not know that. She did not know that they were engaged. That's how she found out they were engaged. Oh my gosh. But she was okay with it. She really, really liked this. In his mind, it was a done deal. (laughs) So Dwight decides that he's going to earn money because he wants to get married and he wants to really have a nice wedding. Mm. So he decides he's going to earn money. So somebody asks him to speak and he's asked to speak for 10 days to do kind of this conference for 10 days. So he goes down and he's doing this conference and he's thinking, okay, this will provide the money so we can get a place together and we can start our lives because he needed a place where they could actually be together as husband and wife because I think he was living at the YMCA at the time. So they (laughs) needed a place that they could call their own and, and she's, you know, living with her parents and So he's trying to uh, get this money together. So he speaks for 10 days, just gives it his all, his whole heart, everything. And he said that when they came to ask him what he wanted for an honorarium or what he was expecting, he said, I'm, he lost all courage and said, I'm here to win souls, not make money. And they gave him a $5 pocket watch. So he's (laughs) like, okay, I guess the Lord wants us to start by faith. So in, ni- awesome. in 1861, as you know, what happened in 1861? Oh, yes. The Civil War began. The oh, Civil boy. War began. Now they're engaged, but it's the Civil War. Wow. And so she ends up staying with different families while he goes. He goes to the front. Um, mm. He goes to the front as to a minister. Oh, no, as a chaplain kind of a as thing. As a chaplain to okay. minister to people. He ends up taking these nursing classes uh, so he can be at the front and help. Uh, some of the soldiers bind wounds. He binds wounds. He cleans the soldiers. He does whatever is needed. Mm -hmm. He's asked to speak at different camps and wherever he's invited, he goes. So they hardly see each other at all in 1861. And from what I understand from a class I took, there were a lot of revivals during the Civil War and he was part of that. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, Ian Bounds, who Mm -hmm. writes incredible books on prayer, he was a chaplain for the South. And I think it was the first week of the Civil War, like when he first went, he got arrested by the North. Oh, gosh. And spent the rest of the Civil War, isn't this God's protection, in prison. (laughs) And that's where he honed his prayer life. 
How cool. was in a northern prison and learned to pray. But wow. that's a fun fact that's, that's not in yes. my notes. <laughs> so in August 28th of 1862, they finally found some time um, to get married. Mm. <laughs> and she's still living with different people. And she just has to wait for news from Dwight because she never knows if he's alive or dead for for the almost yeah. the whole Civil War. Oh, that's it was they so lived. bad, the correspondent. Yeah. Right. But what she did during that time is he would have her teach the classes at the, um, I'm going to call it the warehouse. It later became the the Moody Church, but it mm-hmm. didn't have a title then. And they said it only became the Moody Bible Church after he died. He never would have allowed it to be called <laughs> I'm sure by he his wouldn't. name. Yeah. So anyway, during his lifetime, as this was going on, Emma started teaching the classes. And on one return, she was teaching a class of 40 men, uh, 40 middle-aged men. And they were all just, you know, wrapped with attention as she taught. And this one man came over and said, do you realize that's a woman who's teaching that class? And how old is she anyway? She looks too young and she's a woman to be teaching. And the man said, do you know who she is? And Dwight said, certainly, sir. That woman would be my wife. <laughs> so anyway, he had total confidence in her teaching and in her responsibility. And um, from the time she met uh, Dwight and they got married, she took over all his correspondence, wow. which by this time, because he was writing soldiers in that were involved in the Civil War. So she would write the soldiers. And she would answer back his correspondence. Go ahead. No, I just love that. Like how some of these guys, and you see this with Hudson Taylor, with William Booth, a lot of different folks, they were so willing to let their wives just serve and go for it. It's like you have gifts the Lord wants to use. Mm -hmm. I think that's so neat. What a team. It was such a team. Their first child and their only daughter, they're going to have two boys later. And guess what her name was? Their first child. It's either Emma or Mary. It's Emma. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So... In the book, um, in the book, all this information is from two sources. One is Heavenly Destiny, which is a book that is out of print. Mm-hmm. I went on Amazon to buy it. It's $51 on Amazon. However, you can download it from Moody as mm. a Kindle book. But it's written in that very um, verbose Victorian, Victorian style. Okay. But it's actually written by her granddaughter. So her daughter, Emma Moody, started the book. And that would be Emma Moody Fit okay. started the book. But it was... Finished by her daughter. So this is uh, the granddaughter. And guess what her name was? Not Emma. Yes. What in the world? Yes. I thought only guys did yes. that. Okay. Emma number four is the one who finished the book. <laughs> but it's got a very stylized um, style because, well, it's a long story. But right, anyway. Right. So their one and only daughter, Emma, was born on October 24th, 1864. And by this time, that warehouse had turned into a bona fide church mm. that would later be called Moody Church. Then in 1867, so it's growing, it's growing. Dwight is being asked to speak all over. She's handling all of his correspondence. And in 1867, Dwight was invited to England. And Emma was so excited because she'd be able to see her sister, Mary. And so Dwight's mother took care of their daughter, Emma. Remember the woman who was the widow? She's got lots of experience. She raised nine children. (laughs) And so she takes care of um, Emma. So Dwight spoke at five to six meetings a day, all throughout April, May, and June. And then he started a prayer meeting that met every day at Aldersgate YMCA in the heart of London. You probably know where that is. But it's so, um, I mean, that is so fast and furious, but he was so anxious to get the gospel out. Hmm. When they got back, Emma gave birth to their second child, a son, William Ravel Moody, 
on March 25th, 1869. And William, who is also known as Bill, he will later write the biography of his father, which is one of my all-time uh, favorite biographies of D.L. Moody. It's excellent. Cool. Um, Dwight and Emma were able to purchase a house in Chicago, and Dwight helped his brother-in-law start a publishing company called, and you've probably heard of this because it's still going today, Fleming and Ravel. Oh, yeah. In Chicago. And it was named after her father. Oh, that's Fleming so and Ravel. cool. I did not know that. Yeah. So in 1871, you probably heard about this, the famous fire in Chicago mm-hmm. broke out. And I don't know if you know, but it started in a barn and quickly engulfed the whole city in flames. So Dwight was speaking and he saw the fire and he made for his house. In the meantime, Emma was with both of the children and she watched the flames get closer and closer. And she woke up her son, Emma, and her son, Will, and she said, I want you to look at this because this is something you'll never see again. And so um, she was able to send her children to the Spafford house uh, who wrote, um, It Is Well With My Soul. Yes, Horatio. And they took care of the children. And in the meanwhile, Emma waited for Dwight. So Dwight came and he said, all right, Emma, you can choose one thing from the house that you want to keep because we've got to get out of here. And he chose his favorite Bible, a well-worn Bible. That was what he was going to take. Well, she grabbed a huge portrait of Dwight that this soldier, who was a Catholic, had painted of Dwight and wanted to do it as a thank you, but it's huge. Whoa. And so she's trying to carry it out of the house. And so she says— <laughs> So practical. She loves it because it's it's worth, it's it's worth so much, oh, and she just totally. loves it. And yeah. this is how much she loved. They were saying that she was so refreshed. Find. Yeah. And so stately. And I, I forgot to mention this that after she graduated from high school, she taught school. Uh, she was for, educated yeah, more so than she was much educated more than him. and she yes. taught school. Her grammar was precision mm. and she was kind and just erudite. But here she but she loves him. Yep, she absolutely adores him and she loves the anointing on his life. And so she grabs this portrait and she says, Dwight, I can't carry this. Could you carry this? And he said, Emma. I will not be seen carrying a portrait of myself when all of Chicago is burning down. (laughs) So she talked him into kicking the frame off the picture and she rolled the canvas up and she carried that canvas and she made sure it was in whatever house she lived in. But they they lost this house completely and they weren't able to have another house that they owned for years. Mm. In June of 1873, they returned to England. And they were told uh, by one man, an American, oh, I've got friends. You've got the full support. Just land in Liverpool. Everything will be taken care of. Um, So he's not getting any correspondence. Nothing's coming back from these men. They've written all these letters and they're not hearing from them, but they've been promised that their whole um, voyage and all their accommodations, their schedules, all taken care of. Just go. They go. And guess what? They get to Liverpool only to find out those those three men that were going to support them died 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 so because correspondence was was so so slow bad they didn't know know that but uh what happened is um this man happened to be there they found that there was a letter from a man named mr bennett waiting for them um because they'd gone they had just gone to their hotel and here's a letter waiting from mr bennett says i don't know if you're going to have any free time but if you have any free time would you please come and speak in york so Moody goes to York hey, and this revival breaks out. He gets in touch with Mr. Bennett. This revival uh, breaks out in York and they formed many friendships and great revivals took place. And one meeting 
had over 75,000 people in in a total of three weeks. Wow. In a total of three weeks. That's that's how amazing it was. But at the same point time, as all this revival and wonderful things are happening, the Liverpool press skewered him. They hated him. They hated him because he was, you know, American. Yeah. He was uneducated. And plus Liverpool, because it was manufacturing city, took the side of the South. And Dale Moody was known as a northerner. And for and Liverpool had a lot of prejudice. What were you going to say? No, I was just thinking too. Like you, like you were saying about him being American and uneducated. That's like that story we told back in the CT Stud podcast yes. when he go to universities and people yes. would just look down on him in yes. England. So during this time, Emma had to go to London with the children, and Dwight had more meetings in Liverpool. But while he's there, he has this strange sensation because he goes from York to um, Liverpool. Okay, ten minutes. He has this strange sensation that someone wanted to kill him. And he thinks he's being followed and he's taking all these precautions because he feels just really, really strange. So after a couple of weeks, in the meantime, Emma is like praying for him. Mm -hmm. A couple of weeks later, the police come to him. They said, we arrested the maniac that was trying to kill you. And there was a maniac who was searching for an opportune time to kill Dwight Moody. And he had like, he had posters and pictures of him and everything. So while she was in and uh, talk about spiritual warfare. <laughs> While she's in London with the family, one of the girls is what you would call a maniac in those times, you know? And so this mm. girl uh, started trying to kill everybody in the, the house. She runs, or, out of her, okay. mm-hmm, she runs out of her room. She's totally mental. And Emma is sitting down by the fire, and this girl grabs Emma and tries to throw her in the fire, this raging fire in this house. And Emma holds onto the chair till her fingers are bleeding and bruised, and she will not move. She just refuses to move. But she keeps saying, oh, you poor, poor dear thing. Oh, you poor, poor dear thing. Mm. And the family doesn't know what to do. But Emily actually subdues this young girl. And when the family returns, because they go and get help, when they return, the girl has her head resting on Emma's uh, lap, and Emma is just playing with her hair and telling her that she's a dear, dear girl. Wow. Another time, Emma is on the train alone to visit family when an insane man sits down on the carriage next to her. <laughs> and he's, he's like the—he's the only one. They're in this carriage alone on the train. <laughs> and he says—this is his question. Do you know what I would have done if to my wives had I been Henry VIII? And then he began to suggest all these macabre ways he would have dealt with each of these women. So what did Emma do? She's like, you think that's, I would have done this. She matched him story for story, showing that she was not afraid. And when she got out, she said, better to humor a crazy person. That was her only smart commentary. During her life, she crossed the Atlantic over 11 times. Mm. They became good friends with C.T. Studd's father. And uh, C.T.'s brother, Canaston, mm. and C.T., who were to become instrumental in getting Moody to speak at Cambridge. It was those two yeah, young men who yeah. opened the door for that. I think his dad got saved through Deal Moody, too. Yep. So, yep. Yes, he did. When Dwight found property in Northfield, which was right next to his mother's, it was C.T. Studd's father who insisted on giving him the money to purchase it. Twice he returned the check, refusing the money. And the third time, um, C.T. Studd's father said, you are in sin if you do not accept this as being from the Lord. (laughs) So that's how Northfield began. It began with uh, Dwight um, buying this house. He printed out an invitation to all his neighbors to come to a Bible study. They all came. The house was packed out. So he had to start another church in Northfield. (laughs) And Emma 
just loved everything he was doing. But on one visit, as he was going to different churches, he came home and he said, Emma, there's far too many spinsters and, and single women and widows in North in New England. Right. So he starts a Bible college for women, the first of its type for women. So, cool. so the first school, first educational institution he uh, started was for women, mm. and it was paid for from the hymn royalties of the songbook or the hymn book that yes, Iris Sankey and Iris. Dwight published, and they gave it all to— um, Yes, and that was something I love about Iris Sankey, because he was just willing to say all the proceeds. I mean, and they— yeah. They sold millions And Spafford refused oh to goodness. let his hymn be in that hymn book because he thought he could make more money separately. But that's oh, another that's story. that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that oh, next yes. time. Oh, yes. That'll come up. Yes. What next time I talk, I'm talking about that. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that's how the Northfield Church uh, began. And they started this Bible College for Women because they wanted to teach women to be evangelists mm-hmm. and Bible teachers because they realized that women got inroads that men often couldn't. Oh, and he saw Emma have. do it. The Lord right. used her. So Emma devoted herself um, to her family and to Dwight. Now, when um, Dwight, I mean, they had a third son, and his name was Paul, and Paul wasn't expected to live. But Emma nursed him to life and just dedicated mm-hmm. herself to this baby, and he lived. And he also became an evangelist and pastor like his father. Both these uh, young men were, like, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Later, all these remedies that she learned with dealing with her children— she also used for um, her grandchildren. Ah. And so Emma would often have the young women over to her house when she was there. And she served tea and put the young women at ease and would talk to them just about the Lord. Dwight was a visionary, and he also started a camp called Northfield, also Mount Hermon, for young people with 275 acres. G. Campbell Morgan spoke there, and so did Henry Drummond. Both of them were speakers. Wow. So Dwight said of Emma that she never objected to one of his adventures or ideas, but was his staunchest supporter. That totally convicted me. (laughs) From the day they got married, she handled all his correspondence and kept a journal of all their travels, including when they were able to go to Palestine, which is modern-day Israel. And, oh, just Dwight, how she would write all his comments over every site they saw because he would just be like, Emma, look at this. And one of the things that Emma and Dwight loved to do is they loved to get in this carriage and go on these long rides together all over Northfield. And they had this one place that they would go almost every night after the kids were, you know, old enough to take care of themselves. They would go and watch the sunset every night when they were in Northfield, when they weren't traveling and they loved to watch the sunset. Hmm. So anyway, at one time, D.L. Moody, this is when their grandparents invited 60, get that, 60 five-year-olds over for a party at their house. What did Emma do? She made cake and ice cream for all the kids. She was right there with Dwight in everything he did. Such a partner. And they said that she and Dwight loved to laugh. They loved loved, um, humor, and they just were always um, laughing. Together, they farmed the land and raised chickens, cows, and sheep. And Emma was known to take food to the poor and leave gifts anonymously on people's Mm -hmm. doorsteps. Every time she went overseas, she always returned with gifts for all of her loved ones at Northfield. Mm -hmm. And this is what they said. Emma married Dwight when he was rugged, restless, passionate, fearless, humble, generous, one who had inherited 
what wealth and culture cannot ensure. Mm. And, and, you know, it's so interesting because she comes from this proper family yes. and she marries him and just absolutely adores him. It was Emma who taught him how to be courteous. Yeah. And he adored her till the day he died. They were true partners in ministry. D.L. Moody said that she was his balance will. That was his word. Mm. She provided him with advice, sympathy, faith. She labored beside him and contributed to his every effort with judgment, tact, and sacrifice. Mm. In 1893, Dwight was told by doctors that he was in ill health and overworked. Asked how many times he was sharing in England, because this happened in England. He said five to six times. Now, this is when he's older, in his 50s, but only three times on Sunday. And I try to take Saturday off. D.L. Moody died December 22nd, 1889, just months after his first grandson and first granddaughter. Mm, That daughter was Irene, that granddaughter. Emma received a visit after this from Teddy Roosevelt after Moody's death. She planted a grove of pine trees she kept working for the next uh, four years for the Lord and would often invite her granddaughters to tea underneath their shade. She paid the tuition of many of the students and continued to leave parcels of food and clothing at various neighbors' houses. And, of course, she died four years after D.L. Moody on October 10th, 1903, leaving a legacy. In fact, wow, one of the reasons yeah. Heavenly Destiny was written was her daughter said, everyone knows about my father, but yeah. they need to know about my mother because yes. she was the force and constant support. And she was as yeah. dynamic, but she went yeah. under him to make him even more dynamic. And she just absolutely—in fact, she said to her daughters, I long for heaven now that Dwight is there. Mm-hmm. I just—you know, I love yeah. all my granddaughters. I love all these people, but I just— long, long to be in heaven. Mm. So I was just, like as I said, so convicted. Yeah. I was like, oh, how many ventures have Brian said? Like, I'm like, well, you're doing that alone. You yeah, know, yeah. I was like, oh, I know. conviction. You know? I, but love I loved her. Bringing I mean, out the best oh. in him. Yeah. And there is so much more to her story, too. I mean, oh, yeah. I've only scratched the surface. And again, Heavenly Destiny or uh, what is the 25, 25 Surprising Marriages. This has a lot of those it's wonderful so stories. That's one yeah. of the best books ever. I love Who's that it. by? William J. Peterson. That's right. So you can William definitely J. find Peterson. that online. That so. is such a great book. Yeah. So we like to give you these resources too so that not only are you just listening to us tell you, but that also you can find out about a woman worth knowing. That's right. Again, <laughs> we've gotten I've gotten we've gotten one uh, letter of a testimony yes. of a woman that we'll be sharing in a couple of weeks of a woman mm-hmm. worth knowing. But if you have someone, your mother, an aunt, a sister, or somebody else you know, yes. please send it to us. Yes, wwk at cccm.com. That's the email address. Send it to us, please. That's right. Okay, <laughs> that's it for you. today, isn't it, Jasmine? <laughs> it is. Thank Farewell. you. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett. For more information on Cheryl, visit CherylBroderson.com or follow her on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow Jasmine on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. If you think there is a woman worth knowing, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at wwk at cccm.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Make sure you've subscribed and don't forget to rate us on your podcast app and share it with friends. Thank you again for listening to Women Worth Knowing with Cheryl Broderson and Jasmine Allnett.